So I am Amy, and every day I practice the program, I am a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi. I am so grateful to be here with all of these beautiful people who showed up to help each other, to support each other. With all the people who are ever going to hear this podcast, I feel like they're here in this room. And that's a lot of support. That's a lot of love. And the more I recognize the abundance of that love, that helps me to do this daily work, this daily practice of the steps. So I'm going to share loosely what it was like, what helped, and what it's like today. Um, To qualify, I've been abstinent. I've been in program for four and a half years and abstinent for four of those. And I'll share more about my abstinence, but baseline is no binging. And I'll get into the, to that more in, the, um, in what it's like today. So you've probably heard many people came for the vanity and stayed for the sanity. I came for the sanity. I was in San, very sanless. And for me, I didn't even know I had a food problem because I was so um, cut off and in my own loops of really cruel self-deprecation. Just, it got to the point where my daily, my mantra all day long was that I needed to die. And I was making plans to kill myself. I was 29 and wow, I thought that at that age I, I had really screwed up so royally that I was not worth life and and um, so I was searching around I had heard of 12 step I had judged the heck out of it um, thought I would never be an addict I was very healthy on the outside and I knew what good foods my body needed and um, I presented a very together for a while until it got just really crazy Um, this person that I was supposed to be in the world this was supposed to be this inspiring person I'm an artist, an actress, a multidisciplinary artist and there was sort of the show and then there was inside this part of me that really didn't think that I was good enough to be what I thought I was supposed to be in the world and I thought that if people really knew that I wasn't good enough then of course they wouldn't love me and so um, I was learning actually this week in meditation that I, I realized the difference between um, trying to distract myself from my unhappiness and sitting with what's making me unhappy so that I can truly be happy from the inside out. And I feel like gratefully I am. What you see on the outside is what's on the inside for me. And I couldn't say that then. So, um, so I, was, I was suicidally depressing myself into oblivion. And when I looked for the steps because I felt, well, I've heard about this amends thing. I should kill myself, but I've made a mess of my relationships. I've made a mess of my life, and I need to clean it up first, and then I can die. That was my plan. All right, I will do these steps thing, and I will go through it until I can uh, make this amends, whatever that is, clean up, and then I can kill myself. That was the plan. So when I was looking, shopping around for uh, 12-step programs, reading the OA literature, that was when I realized, oh, 
totally, totally an overeater, compulsive, totally. And what that was for me um, was really trying to, as I said, numb myself from feeling my pain and from feeling what I was doing to myself all the time. And it was about the mental patterns, but my very ineffectual way of dealing with it, covering it up, was with food. And so I, I um, on the outside, as I said, I would, have, I would be very healthy, but then I would say, house it, and people would say, help yourself. Make yourself at home. And yeah, I didn't buy the sugar, but um, if I was, happened to be house-sitting somewhere where they never threw away their Halloween candy, I might help with that. <laughs> Using myself as a trash can, which was how I treated myself at that time. Um, not all the time, but sometimes. Because sugar, for my body, my body was not designed for that refined substance. And so it bypasses all the other checks and balances, and it makes me think that I'm choosing to have more. As if I'm filling in some place inside me that used to be connected to my higher power. But the sugar wouldn't fill that, that place. It would create a bigger hole that I needed to fill with sugar. And then it would make a bigger hole. And that, that didn't work very well for me. But it got me to these rooms. And I, as I said, I really had this schism between what I felt I was presenting as supposed to be and what I felt like inside. But um, when I, and I was in a small town, and so I needed the, um, the phone meetings at first really helped me because I knew I couldn't be anonymous in my town. And after I had some time with that and I went to 12step.org, I found an online workbook because I had had times in my life, a lot of my life, where I had journaled, I had done meditation practices, I let them all go in my depression. But I knew that the more I asked questions of myself and did that inquiry, the more relief I would get. So I really dug in. Um, and then after some months when I was strong enough, I moved to a city where I could be anonymous, where I could go to meetings and feel that whatever fear I had, whatever judgment I had, to walk into that room and have people say, welcome, welcome home, people who knew uh, how, that we need to celebrate when I go to a party and don't eat cake. Like, that's a huge thing to celebrate. Not everybody gets that. <laughs> but I needed that positive, any positive validation that wasn't food. All my positive validations at that time were food. So I needed that community to help me build. And I cut myself off so much that I needed to have um, a, a, a network of support. I got myself a sponsor. I was able to turn over my step work um, and making the calls. It was really hard. What was hard, I, I, I had been articulate, but I had gotten myself to a mental state where there was so much negativity and negative patterning that I, I really felt like I was seeing through like a dense, a fog is light. So it wasn't like a fog, it was like a miasm of this dark cloud. And if you imagine, if you've ever been in a room where there's a black light on, most things are obscured when you have a black light. It's not very much light, but it's a particular light. And white things pop out at you. And so it's like certain things are hugely in front of my face. 
but other things are totally obscure. And for me, in my fearful, panicked state, my fears were huge and day-glow white. And all of the beauty and all the love that was there was obscured for me. So um, getting clear of the sugar was essential for me and my other red light foods. Setting up um, that in, in my abstinence at the time, I really needed rules because I was so out of touch with um, my, what my body actually needed um, that I needed rules for myself. No sugar. And was a big rule and, and no binging bless you um, but the goal for me and this is my abstinence including no binging is to really be in touch with what my body needs and because my body is a wondrous machine it knows how to create health and well-being if I give it bless you what it needs and if I don't give it what inhibits it from creating that health so for me, I needed a lot more rules in the beginning to get in touch with that. But then the more I was able to get in touch with that, the more, um, well, I'll get into what it's like now. So from the body perspective, I needed to get sober so that I could really focus on the mental part, which the steps help with. And for me, I, I was rereading some of my original step work. Um, I did the steps twice in my first year of abstinence, but the first time through was about a hundred pages <laughs> I was looking back through and because I had it on my iPad I didn't know it was that long which was important for me at the time but um, but I, I, I learned a lot this was the um, getting to know me getting to know all about me let's pretend it was fun <laughs> I didn't like me but boy did I hope you liked me that's a challenging combo, I'm going to tell you. So I learned a lot, and my, my sponsor helped me uh, learn the difference between um, being rigorously honest about ways that I had harmed myself and others and making an endless list of everything I've ever felt bad about and flogging myself with it. Not helpful, the latter. Helpful to discover the harm and, what to, and how to amend it. Um, so learning the difference between that. And at one point, um, it was really helpful for me. My sponsor was, help, was letting me turn over my fourth step as I was writing it. So each week when we would get together for that hour, I'd be sharing. Well, I shared all my step work with her from that worksheet um, online that I mentioned. And then when I got to my fourth step, um, I would turn it over, and then I would write more, and then I would turn it over. And so I think if I had waited until it was completely written for me before turning it over to her, I would have felt so burdened by it, I would probably still be writing it. But that was helpful to keep turning it over. And then at some point she said, you know, I, this is a lot. I think probably, unless there's anything else big, maybe we could end it this time, and you can always do the steps again later. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so I learned the difference between a tablespoon, meaning it's flat, and using a tablespoon as a shovel, whereby everything on top of that is free. It's not a form of measurement. Um, 
I learned to, to create rewards for, me, for myself that are not just around food. So like I said, celebrating those minor major victories with fellows. Um, the reward of service and how good I feel. I like lists. So writing something down on a list and then checking it off is a reward. So writing down service or writing down, I'm going to write five step or five minutes today and, and checking that off. So helpful for me. I learned the power of um, starting small. This was really important for me because I'm someone who, as a kid, um, if the assignment was write a story, I would create a novel where the characters had accents and, and their costumes and, you know, illustrations and chapters and an entire, I would make this beautiful project out of something, which is great. But um, when you couple that with zero self-esteem, what it meant was I was imprisoned in this prison of it has to be perfect or nothing. And that's binge thinking for me. That all, anytime I'm getting into generalizations or all or nothing, that's binge thinking. So, um, rather than say, well, I should be meditating for 20 minutes every morning. If I started with two, I started with two. And gradually, I thought, well, I could, I kind of feel like five. You know, at first that two minutes was endless. It just was so long. It was excruciating being with my mind for two minutes. But then I found some, um, some guided meditations and I was doing sort of five minutes. And, uh, and it's the same thing with the steps. If I felt like I needed to do an entire step in a day or a step work, no, I'm just going to write for five minutes, set my timer. If I was writing that, if that five minutes ended and I felt like writing more, I could. But I could write that five minutes and cross it off and know that I'd done it. And it adds up very quickly. And I still use that practice. And, um, and now my practice is um, first thing in the morning I write five things I'm grateful for. Only five. If it's Saturday, maybe I can write more. But I, if I just do my five, it doesn't mess up my timing for the rest of the time. I know I've done it. It feels really good to have that be my first thought. And then I have now a 30-minute spiritual practice in the morning. And I have a 20 to 30-minute practice in the evening that sometimes goes on for an hour or three. Really. Um, and I it, love that. Um, I, I have, I've had the same partner in recovery for four and a half years. And bless her heart, we have been through so much together and that has evolved how we share our 10th step which I do an A-E-I-O-U 10th step so if anyone's not familiar with that um, A my, am I abstinent today what, what does it look like so if there's anything in there um, I'm, I eat my body likes raw vegan food so um, so there are plenty of things that I can't eat I'm, I'm used to being weird but at first it was hard to eat different food from other people now you know it's going to be totally different from other people and I just I carry what I need um, so that I can go to a lot of different places now and because I'm used to it being weird now um, it's just so not an issue but oh I wanted to say 
Another big thing that I learned is that the reason to me why this is a one day at a time program, thank you, is that I couldn't imagine not having certain foods in my life. That just seemed like, why would I want to deprive myself of that? That would be mean to myself, and I'm supposed to be good to myself, right? But creating those rules and boundaries for myself with my abstinence, I got to discover over time, it was hard at first, but to discover I'm actually happier without that food talking to me from my cupboard. And they talk. They would talk. I'm so much more at peace with them not in my home. And so learning that, then that builds and builds. And after months and sometimes years with some foods, now I can see them at a party and it doesn't even look like food to me. And that, I couldn't imagine that when I first came in. And so, but one day at a time, looking back, that's the power of that one day at a time thinking. So, um, so A, am I abstinent? Was there, and I talk about that. Was there anything that was challenging today? Was there anything that was talking to me today? Um, E, what was my exercise for today? I, what did I do to nourish myself, my body, my body, mind, and spirit today? Um, what did I do for others? And it started out as just what, what service did I do, and it's that too, but it's also what were my interactions with others, because I find that I learn a lot from my relationships and how I'm interacting with others. Um, and then what was, for you, what was my understanding for today? And for G, what, what am I grateful for? Where did I find God in my life today? And so now my, my partner in recovery and I, um, we like to do voice memos. So we record on our phones. It's usually between maybe 6 and 20 sometimes minutes. Um, and it's so powerful because recording it, having that voice connection with each other every day is so powerful. And then even if she's not able to listen to it, it was helpful to me to be that thorough. Um, I also sponsor. Um, I'm not taking new sponsees, but I'm grateful I've had the same um, sponsee for three years, and she's just doing great. Um, and that's a wonderful source of checking in and, and learning from me. Um, and I have a very rich spiritual life and community of, uh, that's spiritual. And my spirituality and my art and my life are really one. Um, and the, the 12 steps are so much a part of my life that, that being honest in all of my relationships um, and continuing the support of the structure so that I can be present to the moment and present to... I, I muscle test a lot. So I don't always trust my brain to decide what I need. But um, if you're curious about muscle testing, you can Google it. My, my body knows exactly what I need, and so I will ask it, is this what is the most beneficial for my body? Um, so that helps me stay in my abstinence. And then if anything, and it's not been perfect, you know, sometimes I'll eat something compulsively, then that doesn't feel good, and then I will um, talk about it with my partner in recovery. Um, but I really am... I'm doing the work of my spirit, of my heart. Uh, I am an actor. I'm living off of what I make as an artist. Um, 
I had moved to Los Angeles to pursue my art, to do my art, and that's why I'm here and that's what I'm doing. I've only been here for three years and I'm grateful and it's because of this program and because of the rooms um, and the structure that I'm able to do that. So, thank you. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own, but not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When, I'm, when asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Um, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And I will stop at 9.35. So, ask me anything. Yes. Hi, thank you for your, for your chat. I just wanted to know, you were saying that you were eating abnormally the sugar and everything, but it didn't show on the outside. How could that be? Were you not eating enough? Is that why you show it like with a week or something? Yeah, well, it wasn't... Sorry? Oh, the question. So the question was, um, if I was eating abnormally and binging, why wasn't it showing on the outside of my body? Was I restricting? So um, for me, it wasn't a daily occurrence, the binging. Um, and I, because of my mental state at the time, um, I was not sleeping. I was just on constant overload. So my body was... Um, actually underweight at that time and it wasn't that I was trying to be thin it was just that I was not good at taking care of myself at that time so I had had times growing up um, when I thought I was fat I wasn't really that overweight but um, but I guess the most I probably had um, I don't weigh myself I just fit how I feel in my clothes but um, I probably had a good 20 or 30 pounds more on my frame than I do now at my most. Um, but it wasn't, that part wasn't as out of control for me. I mean, it wasn't a, a daily occurrence. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yes. Um, thanks for your share. Can you touch on the spiritual component of your uh, program? Yes. Um, Sure. So the question is, can I touch on the spiritual component of my program and my concept of a higher power and whether that has changed? So for me, I have, I love that this program allows you to have any kind of spiritual practice. Um, and I know I'm not meant to talk about what that is here, but um, I have forms of meditation and um, spiritual community and books that to, for me do the same thing as the steps of really looking at um, what are the structures in my brain um, that are blocking me from my connection with my higher power. So, and then doing the work to change those belief structures so that I am more connected, more in constant connection with my higher power. And for me, um, God was a challenging word as a kid because I grew up in a church and I had a lot of judgment around how that the rhetoric was. Um, 
but coming, it was really coming to the steps, actually, that helped me go, you know what? It's a word. It's a word. There are so many words. And I use them interchangeably now. Love, spirit, the universe, the divine, um, higher power. Like, it all, to me, it's, it's just language. And that doesn't keep me from the experience of that connection, which that's why I meditate, is because then I'm outside of this little perspective of my brain, and I'm connected to something larger that has a much more inclusive perspective of the trajectory of my life. And it really helps me to let go of what I think my life is supposed to look like. I had a lot of supposed tos when I came to this program. Um, and so my spiritual practice and in my meditation, it helps me realize those supposed tos and let them go, continue to surrender them um, so that I can... Because every time I do, I'm grateful for what shows up in my life. If I'm dictating what that's supposed to look like, then I'm limiting myself to my small imagine, imagination. But then when I open up further, I'm always surprised in a beautiful way. And it's exactly what I was designed to share. So, thank you. Yes. Yes, thank you. Great question. So, uh, I was in a small town, and how did I find out find out about OA in the town? Was the first question. Um, the internet, bless it. <laughs> um, I had heard. I had had a friend who was who was a longtime AA, and I'd heard about it, you know, from movies and stuff. And so I knew, kind of by osmosis, that this was a, a something free and something that nobody got famous on and something that nobody was getting anything from except a happier life. And I ha my BSO meter is really keen. <laughs> so for me, reading the literature and seeing the truth and how the, the principles and the traditions really protect it from itself, from the humanity that runs it, <laughs> um, really spoke to me and I felt like I could trust it and I could trust that the people here um, understand me. So when I Googled, I was really shopping around for, for different programs to find out what was my thing because I, I knew it wasn't alcohol. Um, and then it was reading the OA literature online that I found that it was food for me. Um, and then your other question, sorry, what is it, uh, a partner in recovery um, is whatever you make it. So for me, she, we, we actually call each other's, um, each other's, each other partners, or process partners now. She's not your sponsor. She's not my sponsor. But I, I treat her, I mean, for me, it's like the whole community is my sponsor when I need it. So I go to certain people for certain things. And I've had sponsors every time I've got, done the steps. But she is a sponsor, and so we kind of treat each other. She also has a sponsor, but um, she is a sponsor in a lot of ways for me. She's got great perspective. And, um, but she's the person who I send my food and my 10th step inventory to every day. And she's amazing. I mean, we share. There's nothing that I can't share with her. So, yeah. Thanks. Yes. Question for you. Um, tell about the people, family, friends, colleagues in your life 
generally supportive. Uh, you, know, you share that aspect of your life with them. Um, and uh, how is that sort of changing? Okay, so with the closest people in my life and my relationships, friends and family, um, how, what was their reaction or response to me being in program then and now? And how has that changed my relationships? That, something like that. Um, thank you. So it was hard. I think people were confused um, in some ways in, in the beginning. Um, I think it was hard for my parents to think of their daughter as an addict. Um, I had, that took some convincing. They knew I was really unwell and they were, they were at their wit's end as to how to help me. And that was really hard to see their pain, not knowing how to help me and me realizing that they're not the ones who could help me. Um, but then they were grateful and I shared it with my close friends. Um, and I needed to because several of them I was amending, you know, making amends to. Um, and, but they support, I mean, they're great people. So they totally supported me in it. And it was important for me to, I needed anything to be an accomplishment because I didn't have much I felt good about for myself at the time. So to say, hey, I know this doesn't mean much to you maybe, but I have a week of abstinence. Mom, and that's a really big thing for me. And they could say, great. And I knew they didn't totally get it, but they were happy that I was happy about something. (laughs) 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 And because I had been doing well at other times in my life, I think they just were like, why? I don't understand why you're so hard on yourself right now. Um, And I really needed to helping to convince both myself and them that I needed this. And boy, did I, you know, I still do. Um, And then I think now I share it with people when it feels um, helpful. I share it. I don't just, it's, um, I don't like identify by it necessarily, but um, I don't hide it. I'll share it, you know, if anybody asks, sure. Um, I mean, you know, keeping the anonymity, I don't just like announce it, but um, I share it with all my intimate partners, you know, with, my, with men. Um, I pretty early on, <laughs> um, just like as a part of like getting to know you kind of thing, because it feels good. I don't like hiding things anymore. I hid, that's what got me here was hiding from myself and hiding from people. And so I, I feel so much better when I just share. So, yeah. Thank you. Bye. Was the suicidal thoughts from perfection or from food? Um, from perfection. Food was tr- my way of trying to numb myself from the su- suicidal thoughts because for that brief moment, I couldn't think about anything. Except like, like, I was in a different state. But, um, yeah, from perfection, from thinking that, from all the ways that I was not good enough. Yes? How do you get past the fear and insecurity to pursue your passion? One day at a time. Uh, so the question is, how did I get past, how do I get past the fear and insecurity um, to pursue my passion? So, um, for me... Okay, um, so that's me muscle testing to see whether to share something. 
because I can't always know in my head. So I'm going to share. Um, I do YouTube videos, and for me, that was really scary every time I post something because it was always something that I'm coming out of my comfort zone. Um, but this, if, I, if, if I feel called from my higher power to share, to create something, then it's not creating there to just sit in a closet somewhere. It's been created to be shared. And if that means something to one person, then that was worth it. And I've had people share that, you know, my videos help them through depression. Or my videos help them feel better, feel like they can be more themselves in the world. And so um, that, like, I hold on to that because... There will always be people who don't like what I do, but it's not up to me for people to like what I do. It's up to me to share what comes through and let it go. And so that just, like, every time that I do it, it builds and is stronger. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Um, you mentioned that you hate weird as a kid. Um, I think you said that. That's what I heard you said. And I have a kid that he's weird, mm-hmm. a teenager. Everybody sort of focuses on that, and I try not to, but he once in a while I slip. But I'm thinking, is there anybody in your life before program that made you feel comfortable with just the way you were eating something, everything? What did they do before program? Because I would like to be that. Oh, great. Yeah, so the question was um, that if I was eating weirdly as a kid, um, was there anybody who made me feel okay about how I was eating before program? Um, and just to clarify, I became a vegetarian when I was 11, and that at the time was weird. Um, <laughs> my, gra- my grandpa, bless his heart, still like went, well, don't you want some fish? I went, you know, it's been decades, grandpa. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's see. It, who helped me? Well, fellow vegetarians helped me feel that it's not weird. Um, and I guess before program two, I had stopped, my body had stopped being able to do dairy and gluten um, before program. And so, um that was hard. That was really hard. That was really, really hard. Um, only d- just being around people. But I guess it was just more people who understood that the body, that every body is different. Um, was there anyone specifically? I mean, my parents were supportive. Um, it's hard because I think a lot of times people are supportive, but then they're also having judgment themselves about what they're eating. So. I felt like I had to say, and that was my own thoughts. I didn't have to at all, but I felt like I had to make them feel at ease by saying, um, I'm not out to change anybody. Eat whatever you want. This is what works for me. Um, but I think just to answer the other part of your question of how can we be supportive of others, of your, of your child, or of your, um, it, 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 recognizing that if I'm having any insecurity about how somebody else, um, about what other, another person is eating, that's my own insecurity about myself. So if I own that, then I don't have to put that on the other person and I can just honor them for eating their way. Um, yeah. Thanks. 
Yes, so talking about my amends process, uh, the good and the bad, um, it was helpful to me to use a spreadsheet and a format um, to really be clear on who to make amends to, what it was for, and get it really tight, and then just have not explain why, and not um, get into a whole, like, I'm sorry if I ever, like a whole litany of padding around it, but to just be really clear and say, um, I, I apologize to you for doing X, Y, Z. Um, I'd like to make amends by doing M. Um, and then just pretty much just like leaving it at that that was really hard but um, but also beautiful because a lot of times the person just didn't even remember that remember it that way Um, and then bless you I think in all circumstances they forgave me I think there were some that I didn't hear from maybe or not for a while um, but whenever I was able to talk to a person, if it was somebody I could contact, um, then that, that ended up being good. The first thing that I did was I had a library book for years from this place, from this school. I had intended to give it back, and then I just never did. It was sitting on my shelf, burdening me. I went, that's okay, that's going to be the first one. And I sent it off with a check for 10 bucks and an apology. And that felt so good. It helped me. You know, doing, starting with something small helped me do the bigger things. And then learning with my sponsor what is to be a living amends, what actually isn't harm. It's just something that I felt bad about and letting that go. I think we have time for one more. Yes. So you mentioned that you, you're binge thinking, your mentality of like all or nothing, perfection or nothing. And then how it goes into your relationships like you know it doesn't always relate to food mm-hmm. and how you sometimes catch that and I was just wondering what does that look like and how do you catch it great question so with regard to binge thinking right. uh, all or nothing thinking what does that look like for me and how do I catch it yeah. in areas not food yeah, yeah. Um, yeah any time um, gosh, it's changed so much. Let me remember what, what it's like before, too. Um, well, so like I was saying, if, if I create a goal for myself that's huge, like I'm going to meditate an hour every morning and get up at 4.30 every day forever, um, then if I don't do that, that turns into an excuse for me to hate myself. Um, so recognizing, okay, there's an, a desire here to put more meditation into my life. Great. How can I make that incremental? How can I start with something that I know is doable today? Maybe do it two minutes, like I said. Or in, in relationships, um, if I, oh, with people, if I think I know what somebody else is thinking about me, I don't. I don't. <laughs> so I'm just not even going down that train. And that to me is binge thinking. If I'm thinking, oh, they're thinking about this. That that's the reason why they did this to me. Um, just to assume. Thank you. Thank you. 
To assume that I don't know and assume the best um, helps me.